Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of the Lines Up by Donkeys podcast. I am here with Francis and Shocks. What's up, guys? It's another, it's, it's just a beautiful Wednesday evening. Yeah, it's, you- uh, it's, it's terribly humid and hot here, so I'm just inside as I have been for the last 18 months. It's great. <laughs> We've had a tropical storm pass through, um, and it knocked over... All of my plants, uh, which were mostly dead anyway, because I can't grow shit. Uh, but uh, I will rebuild. Um, I, I plan on, uh, you know, picking myself up by my bootstraps and killing more succulents. Um, we just so- had uh, <laughs> as a brief aside, but so we just had uh, a hurricane pass through here, except it didn't. Oh it yeah, just, like, yeah. Forget about it, that. It, it hung a swart, uh, a sharp left, and like instead just pummeled New York for like two days. As one does, uh, yeah. And so I got a, uh, I got a DM from uh, someone down in Rhode Island, and it was just a, a picture of uh, a single chair, like plastic chair, knocked over from like a garden set, and it just said <laughs> "Tropical Storm Henry, we will build." I saw that up. same thing uh, when I was living in Washington State because there's like we got hit by an earthquake, and it was nothing. Like it, ju- it was just big enough to register on like the Richter scale or whatever. Um, yeah. But- on like seismographs rather. Um, and someone posted a picture of like an act of our Starbucks cup that says we will rebuild. <laughs> um, now, uh, Liam is in California on, uh, on his union mandated um, uh, vacation uh, union who we uh, has been brought to my attention by the discord um, for people who are unaware about two years ago, three years ago at this point during the, uh, the Soviet-Afghan war series, we coined a joke that started with the Jalalabad dick-sucking union. Um, due to recent events, the union has had to move from Jalalabad. <laughs> um, union headquarters have uh, violently <laughs> reloca- relocated to Tajikistan. Uh, we, are, we are now the Panjshir Valley dick-sucking union. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, uh, we, we did that so we, we don't actually have to change our signage. There is a J in Panjshir. Um, now, uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> just the, the just I the say funniest, that a week before thing. I'm about to go on mine too. <laughs> um, uh, so we have something of a tradition on this podcast, uh, and that is dunking on the poor Soviet military. Um, and we've probably done more than uh, more more than any other particular nation on russia in particular because like the soviets and then we also talked about the the russian empire more than once just russia in general um uh, we, we've probably talked about them and their bad decisions probably more than anybody else well and actually have, actually come to think of it too because of the uh the russo-japanese war series you did imperial russia as well yeah we and, did imperial we did imperial and, russia there and also and done, uh when napoleon PMC, invaded you've yeah. done pmc russia too with uh, the wagner episode yeah, yeah. See, uh, all flavors of Russia, and you know, in, if something's it, getting fucked up somewhere, there's probably a Russian involved somewhere. <laughs> like, just not a, that the Russian did anything, but just that's their luck. Just a Neapolitan <laughs> Neapolitan ice cream, but every flavor is shit. <laughs> yeah, we 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 had a we have a, a fucking uh, old bit for for true podheads. We used to call things pralines and dick. <laughs> I forgot about that. It's pralines and dick. Um, and you know, in my defense, the U.S. is rapidly catching up uh, to them in episode count. Uh, as is, um, I don't know, the Ottoman Empire I'm working on. Uh, now, there's a lot of reasons for this. Uh, one is low-hanging fruit, and the other is I'm Armenian, and I hold a grudge. See the last entry in the Ottoman Empire. <laughs> Fucking sue me. I never sh- said the show was fair. Uh, I just enjoy researching things. And every once in a while, I, I catch a brainworm I can't get rid of. Um, not to mention, outside of like big campaign-wide series... <laughs> Things like uh, you know Operation Bigration or the entire Battle of Stalingrad or the Battle of Berlin. Um, it's kind of hard to find bite-sized things that can fit into an hour when it comes to like Soviet military history because they don't actually have that much military history. Yeah, like, as it turns out, most of the bite-sized <laughs> things are currently buried in zinc coffins throughout the course of <laughs> Russia. So yeah. just bulldozed into trenches uh, up and down the the lines outside of Saint Petersburg. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, or buried in a uh, a forest in Poland. Um, See, we we bust on the the Russians and the Soviet military because it's nice to know that somebody had it worse than you, like by a long <laughs> shot. Because, like you know, it, you, you think about our war, like our war. And Joe, I know you like actually did real war, but for for a large. I mean, chunk to be of, fair, I also lost. Uh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> well, I, I know, but like, I'm just saying that our war had a lot more like Burger Kings and uh, star- subway places and uh, things than, you know, they had any time in the Russian military. So, uh, I mean, uh, from my experience, even researching history, um, a nation goes to war very much in its own skin, right? Like uh, the U.S. goes to war and it brings chain restaurants with it because that's our culture um the soviet military brought misery with it because it's <laughs> russian culture um, what did you bring we brought shitty cigarettes uh vodka that'll turn you blind and depression that's right um i mean that that is also mostly a lot of post-soviet culture we're, we're, we're working on it <laughs> that's um, also uh that's also pretty much my plans for the winter this coming winter to be honest <laughs> Uh, and, you know, I and since so much Soviet military history is in World War Two, I don't want to like I'm never going to do a World War Two series. It'd be insane. Um, and I don't feel like just doing like 18 different episodes in a row all about World War Two. I desperately try to space these things out for my own sanity and yours. We all like, you know, uh, different flavors, um, all of them dysentery. Uh <laughs> Now, if you really want to go back to the days of what it sounds like for me to just cram a whole bunch of shit into an hour and cut out just like 80% of it, go back and listen to our first 10 episodes. Um, it's real bad. And there's a reason why I've revisited most of those things. Uh, <laughs> now, it I doesn't mean I won't eventually talk about Stalingrad or Bagration or Berlin. I'm, I plan talking about all of those things eventually. Um, but we don't want to accidentally send up. A- sound like a uh, an angry boomer dad who just like picked up a couple Stephen Ambrose books and watched, you know, Band of Brothers while blind stinking drunk. Right, right. Uh, I mean like I I don't have to visit kids on the weekends yet. So like I, I don't want to like <laughs> pretend that yet, you know. Um I, I like to do stories justice. And unfortunately the flip side of that is there's a ton of fucking other stories that are too short to cover an hour. So I figured today would be like, I don't know, a Soviet roundup episode. <laughs> um, all the things that fit in a particular category, and that is killing Nazis with axes. Uh, <laughs> so a, it so turns what out this is something that happened frequently. <laughs> so what you're telling me is all of these goofy axe throwing bars that are around now are they have use? We can absolutely we, not. No, <laughs> it's going to be like uh, no, they do. It's going to be like that uh, the Simpsons episode where like it. You know, once um, you know, once a uh, comrade uh, Biden declares the Soviet Republic of America, uh, they're all going to flip open and axe wielding Soviet soldiers are going to come out. Like, they're going like, to hit the button. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be like uh, it's going to be the sequel to Red Dawn. <laughs> That's Red Dawn already had a sequel. I thought it, it was, was like a reboot. It was real bad. Uh, there, I mean, I can only consider that a sequel because of how bad it was. If that's a reboot, it's like. I don't know. What do you consider a reboot that kills something deader than it's ever been before? I guess Rock or like any of the new Rockies or Rambos, I suppose. I don't know. The new actually, what? the new Rambos are good as hell. That's unfair to the new Rockies. <laughs> the new the new Rambos are fucking awful. The last one was just racist. Inc- home Alone. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> I know. Why did he have? Like a- the tunnels like, yes. like we've never yeah. been we, me and nick had talked about this movie for over an hour and we could never figure out a reason why he hit a tunnel other than the fact that he was also a coyote yeah he uh obviously <laughs> he just dug ptsd tunnels so he's like <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have a good freak out honey bye just like go sit in the tunnels like <laughs> i need a place where i can scream and shoot a gun into a wall yeah. i'm just gonna go ahead and build some ptsd tunnels <laughs> and we can go to my and screaming fairness, tunnel in fairness this would probably help the instance of uh you know uh, special forces folks losing their minds and like holding family members hostage that we know you over put the them in the tunnel year. and you seal both ends <laughs> i mean i'm uh, also gonna that i mean mm. yeah send them to the angry dome yeah because i was just about to <laughs> fucking say that it's the rambo version of the fucking angry dome so we're gonna you start calling my car 
but he still let his kid he still let his daughter have like a rave down there for some even the daughter's just like hey dad uh can we use your screaming holes <laughs> i mean it's it's kind of like how uh you know you used to throw uh you know book vfw halls to hold punk shows <laughs> yeah there you go all right uh now like to get to the point i'm gonna use the word berserker a whole lot um and uh, there's some people that may or may not know what Berserker is, other than like a euphemism used for like a shitty sports team, or if you're Kevin Smith, the best Russian rock band of all time. Um, uh, was it? Uh, that was Clerks One, right? Yeah, yeah the first one. <laughs> I don't know. He says his name is fucking Yankee Blue Jeans or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely gonna have to make that song the intro now. Nobody's having any fucking idea what I'm talking about. I'm showing my age. I'm pretty sure everybody who listens to you is also old and, and falling apart, just like us. I thought so pod, too, but that is not the case. Is our thing now. Yeah, we do. We do get yelled at by a lot of kids sometimes. And like, which, especially which like I love, history, I, especially like a history show. I always assume generally it skewed older white men uh, because, like, I'm attempting to steal the History Channel's audience, right? Uh, but then I realized... You talk I, about Hitler way more than... Yeah. And I had, also I had, Pawn Stars for some reason. Wait. Here we go. I'll watch what he's going to say. I'll watch. It's too funny. My love for you is like a truck bouncer. Would you like some Mickey Buck did you say making fuck? Yeah, man, it's just crazy. Uh, like, you know, I, I realized immediately that wasn't my demographic because, one, I would have to talk about Hitler to a very uncomfortable extent. Uh, there's a YouTube channel for that. His name's I think, Mark Felton. He talks about Hitler all the time. Look at the comments. You know what he's doing. <laughs> I mean, um, also, yeah, but I, I really can't stress enough. Please do not go to YouTube and start looking up Hitler shit because uh, <laughs> we don't want to accidentally be the red to brown pipeline. Let's just like let's just stop it there. Before long, it all just circles back around to QAnon shit. Um, and, and, and you know, like I, I, that's when I realized that uh, that's, that wasn't the case. Not that like I was aiming for that. To be fair, that demographic certainly is money they like to spend on stupid shit. Look at their cars. Um, but you know, we are. I have discovered we are older than our, than many of our listeners. Um, so, like talking about Clerks One, some old shit, man. It came out a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it was already kind of like a cult classic movie by the time that like we were all going through high school. Yeah, yeah, it's fair, and it is like one of the th- maybe three or four movies that people have a positive memory of a Kevin Smith joint in. That's all yeah. gone now. It's all gone versus, like, like tears in the rain. <laughs> versus uh, Clerks 3, which is coming out, which has got to be like, I don't know, who the fuck is that audience? But I don't know. Or, or the, the pig movie that he made. Okay, so you say that about you say that about Clerks Three, but we're all gonna go see Jackass Four. So absolutely, there is, yes. There, there is an audience for for Jackass Four. Um, it's just the problem is, is we all saw Clerks Two, and we're like, mm, that's enough of that. Yeah, and exactly. We but saw Jackass. Never... We saw Jackass Two, and we're like, yes, I want to see people hurt their balls more. That's funny. Yes, and all of them are just seem to be having a blast. Meanwhile, it seems like everybody involved in Clerks is just trying to get drug money. So, well, like, I mean, it, I mean in that's fairness, why the first Clerks is so good because that's what everybody's <laughs> doing. I mean, in fairness, like Jackass is just about watching like a bunch of you know uh, shitty white dudes injure themselves, and we were all in the military, so that's actually our culture. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, but like I like I said, uh, we do have to talk a little bit about Berserkers. Might be. Um, so it makes a little bit of sense. Now, they're normally considered to come from Norse Viking culture mythology. Uh, they're well known for fighting. Some, some people say that they fought like they were in a trance state and they couldn't be brought down no matter how much damage was done to them until they were killed. Um, now, this, this is a fury known as Berserker Gang, uh, which, uh, sure, uh, sometimes you don't see it printed that way. Other times it's one word. Um, it sounds like a shitty street gang uh, from like a uh, like from the like tunnel the warriors. Rat. Yeah, like exactly, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I was I was gonna say that or like they'd fight the tunnel rats and fall out. 
Um, yeah, I mean, either one is. I mean, I mean, same vibe snakes. either way. To be honest, tunnel I mean, snakes. Yeah, yeah, tunnel snakes. My bad. Literally any uh, any Fallout movie and 1970s New York. I mean, it's about you know potato <laughs> potato. Yeah, um, it's been linked to various things over the years, from religious believers worshiping a bear cult uh, to North mythology, where goddess Freya deployed the battle swine, uh, which I assume there's the war pigs. 30 to 50 of them. <laughs> <laughs> See, they didn't have AR-15s back then. That's uh, That was their biggest problem. Yeah, that's that's actually why uh, the Norse uh, people were wiped out, and it's now just pigs. Um, now, <laughs> no, <laughs> nobody is sure, uh, one, that these guys were real, or two, if they were, how the fuck they managed to pull this off. Because uh, you hear uh, stories that they were fighting everyone around them to the point that like their own, they had to dress a particular way. So everybody knew to let, to stay the fuck away from them. Cause they would just, they <laughs> would just be just murdering like, everybody. Don't hang out with those assholes. Yeah. They're, they're seals effectively. <laughs> they're, they're not soldiers. They're just a death squad. Um, <laughs> now, uh, my favorite theory that in order to provoke people into this frenzy of battle was they were just high and drunk as hell, which just sounds rad. I don't know if I do a lot of drugs, I just go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> see me do it. <laughs> well, you're probably not doing like meth or something. Like that's you, true. When you say drugs, you mean smoke weed, which is not dr- doing drugs at all. Yeah, so. or or pop various pills I got from my friends in high school. Um, yeah, I, I was never an uppers guy. I, I figured the best way to beat my depression was to do more downers. <laughs> <laughs> if I just sleep 20 hours a day, then uh, I, that's 20 hours a day. I'm not sad. That's right. And kids, if you're listening, it doesn't work. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It turns out having depression for dinner every night is actually not a, not a long-term solution. Yeah. Um, and the one thing I didn't try, which is apparently the... Uh, the the prevailing idea is other than possibly just getting blind drunk is that they would eat nightshade, um, which is a poison, uh, which would induce hysteria and hallucinations, and then someone just push them in the right direction. <laughs> I will have to eat nightshade and get back to you guys. Uh, anyway, the weird the lines of my donkeys podcast has been on an eight month long hiatus as I rot in my office, <laughs> dead from nightshade indigestion. Well, new Patreon goal. Uh, you know, if you get it up to uh, you know uh, three thousand subscribers a month, uh, you know, Joe's eat nightshade. Yeah, Joe, that's true. Joe, yep. Yeah, the the Bosnian war criminal, but instead of a shot glass, it's like a little leaf. You can watch it. This could be the next live stream. Is all of us just doing shots of, or, you know, chewing on nightshade? Yeah, it's like cot. You just, you just chew it up a bit and spit out the residue, and then you just melt your face off and die. Yeah, but I'd be the asshole who goes out and brings in a tomato and says, "Technically, it's nightshade." Hmm. God damn it! Fucking nobody God likes that guy. <laughs> Technically, it's a fruit. Um, now, uh, I wanted to point all that out because we're going to be talking about Berserker adjacent stuff a lot. Uh, and maybe there are some people who didn't know those guys were based on anything other than dumb graphic tees or something. I don't know. Now, so the one thing that you want to make sure you do is uh, after you go on YouTube and, you know, Google inform- or uh, search for information about Hitler for a while, uh, make sure you <laughs> then look up uh, Norse mythology because it'll, be, it'll really just make everything better. You really figure out where all the runes came from. <laughs> uh, now, this brings us to our first story the tale of the heroic Soviet cook. Ivlin Pavlovich Soretta, the only man I've ever heard of who captured a tank while using an axe. Uh, now, <laughs> Ivan was... <laughs> I'm going to breeze right past that because if we discuss it, it doesn't make any more sense than when I tell the story. Um, I'm going to go out and say that like a Soviet cook needs like a, a, a skills tab now uh, because both guys we're talking about today are cooks at some point. Uh, I don't know if there's something different going on in Soviet cook class. I mean, but, every, I mean, a good portion of the cooks that I ever knew were like fucking nuts. So that kind of <laughs> checks out, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Love both cooks. both other veteran crazy. part-time hosts of this show uh, were cooks or are cooks. So that tracks, uh, not counting Liam, of course, he's a civilian. Um, now... Ivan was born on July 1st, 1919 in what would be today Kremitorsk, Ukraine, a city I am sure I pronounced correctly, <laughs> uh, which was then part of the Soviet Union, kind of. Like many people uh, in Ukraine at the time, Ivan and his family were desperately poor. A lot of this is because Ukraine had just sat through a horrible civil war on top of which was 
already turned into a field of war crimes made worse by a world war, which is again made worse by several different layers of mismanagement. Nobody really giving a shit about them for several generations and, you know, eventually a genocide. Uh, Because of this, his family moved around as often as they could, working on other farms for food and the occasional roof over their heads. They were, you know, tenant farming, Uh, but worse uh, <laughs> because it is Russia after all. So, you know, <laughs> right. And nobody has any food or money. So like you have to bust your ass on these fields uh, to get paid very little or nothing. And then hopefully get a meal and a roof over your head. Um, eventually he was able to go to school for going college and said, choosing to go to a technical school uh, where he ended up in the Donetsk food training center, a place where nothing bad would ever happen again, where he learned how to become a cook. Um, Ivan didn't really care or want to do this job. It seems to be the only school he was able to get into. Uh, He graduated school and began looking for work in other fields, as one does. Um, If he was me, he would simply start a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) He just writes a book about how shitty his time in the military was and starts a podcast. His book would be way better than mine. Um, we should find yeah. the guy who who's the guy that uh, the Russian guy who wrote about the um, his experience in the both Chechen wars. Uh, oh yeah, um, God damn, his name's gonna escape me now. I'm he trying has to think had of a book. weird life. Yeah, uh, when, he should had, have a podcast. Is what he I'm moved saying, to though. Ukraine and faked his own death for a while. Nice. Yeah, um, you can't do that in America, man. I want to live in a place where you can fucking get away. It's like, this is what I they w- took from you. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I live in a country where like, if, if a man just wants to start over, he can just fake his own death and go, you know, move to Arizona. I feel like one of the things that we like missed growing up and like the, I feel like the post Reagan era, particularly like when they started cracking down on immigration and other shit like that. Cause it used to be, you know, you you read about like con men in the 1920s just like constantly moved to a different town and like yeah now my name's uh Larry uh and you know I'm here to I don't know like sell you like a you know fucking model T4 like it'll be fine just give me all the money now and I promise when I come back I'll uh I'll I'll, I'll make sure that I deliver it to you and you then just say, like say, you know rinse and repeat first goes the uh aircraft controllers union then goes the ability to fake your own death I mean, I think a lot of people are saying that, to be honest. Many people are saying this. I hear it more and more every day. Um, I, I, I think it should be a constitutional right to be able to fake your death at least once every 15 years. <laughs> Everybody gets at late. Right. Like, it's like going bankrupt. You can file bankruptcy and you got seven years to, to get it off of your credit report. Um, well, that's, uh, that's what we're going to do instead of when I come to power. That's what we're going to do instead <laughs> of bankruptcy. Because the, the trick is you get all your debts erased. But also your entire history, and you have to start anew. Yeah, and you, you have to get, really want it at that point. You have to Russian roulette onto a ship that takes you somewhere else. Not that we don't have a, be- a better like form of travel, but you have to get really old timey. You get well, like nailed into a cardboard Acme box, loaded up on a <laughs> fucking steamship, and dropped off somewhere. At which point you have to go down a street, and you get to a guy that will give you a crumpled up piece of paper that will have your new identity on it. I mean, I've often said that there's one thing we're really missing in the modern era, and it's not enough ships of the damned uh, <laughs> transiting forever on the forbidding waves of uh, of the unforgiving sea as you uh, <laughs> as you recount the various sins of your life to the other damned passers. Yeah, I was going to fake my own death, and I talked to the guy, Hank, the name guy. And he gave me identity in Toledo, Ohio, and I just mulliganed that shit, and I became a podcaster. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, Ivan, like many of us, once he got into like the military, or once he graduated from university or technical school, he really realized he may have fucked up. Uh, so he began looking for other jobs. Um, he grad now. Unfortunately for him, he graduated in November of 1939 and uh, got drafted. Uh, into the Red Army that same month. And uh, he was unhappy to find out he would also be made a cook. Um, Now, this wasn't like a policy or anything in the Red Army to try to give you a job that was close to your civilian job. He just has bad luck. Uh, (laughs) uh, The vast majority of people... I mean, I think you could say that about anybody in the Red Army. Anybody who gets drafted at any point of history. Oh, you're... You were an 18-year-old male in Russia in 1942? Damn, that sucks, bro. (laughs) Oh, you lost a leg to polio. Oh, you're so lucky. 
Yeah. Uh, now, like there was situations where if you uh, happen to be like a mechanic or you worked on tractors on farms that you would get folded into tanks and stuff. Um, but uh, the cook to cook pipeline was not because it's not like you needed fucking skills. You're going to boil shit in water and feed it to people and probably get them sick. It's <laughs> virtually the same job cooks have now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, he got stationed with the 91st Tank Regiment uh, and, you know, began to sit around and cook shitty Soviet army food, whatever that was, uh, for a couple years. And he got out. Uh, and then Operation Barbarossa happened and he got redrafted <laughs> again as a cook. <laughs> <laughs> now, that second time, almost certainly because, well, you already know how to do this job. Uh, I'm going to I'm guessing on that. I don't know. Maybe he has really, really bad luck. Now, Operation Barbarossa sent 3 million or so Germans and affiliated Nazis streaming across the border, where the Red Army rapidly began to get its ass kicked and fall apart. Now, this Red Army would eventually turn itself around, you know, famously, uh, but the opening stages of Operation Barbarossa had casualty numbers that would have been apocalyptic for anyone who was not the Soviet military. The Soviet command and control organizational structure had completely paralyzed and broke down, mostly due to mismanagement, but also because of disruptive German attacks and a, you know, a shit radio system that barely functioned. This left pretty much every layer of Soviet military leadership confused and disorganized. And it didn't help that Stalin didn't believe it was actually happening for several hours and locked himself in his office like a weepy bitch. Now, <laughs> for the first couple of months, the Nazi advance was pretty much unstoppable. And the Soviets suffered hundreds of thousands of killed, wounded, and even more than that captured. Like at one point, half a million soldiers surrendered all at once at the fall of Kiev in September. Like, there is no situation on Earth outside of like the Germans uh, in, in this particular time where losing a half million people would have been anything like, well, boys, it's been good. We got to fold now. <laughs> um, uh, now, the surrender of Kiev would eventually lead to the Baba Yar massacre, one of the worst massacres in human history. Probably will never be uh, it, you know, eclipsed. Everybody knock on wood on that one. It is 2021. Um, now, eventually, parts of the Red Army repositioned behind the Divina River in Latvia, which is where Ivan found himself in August of 1941. Despite the constant complaints to his superior that he wanted to be an infantryman or artillery or tanks, literally anything other than being a cook, he was still in the kitchens. Uh, I'm going to assume that he had the horrible luck of being the reliable guy. Like yeah, anybody who's been in the military knows what it's like being the, the reliable one. Right, like you're, yeah. you're, you're the guy who ends up doing everything. What you else end up you, doing everybody's fucking job. Well, as you said, like you know, most people who were appointed cooks were not actually like probably didn't have any actual food training. No, of so course. I imagine not. like being the one guy who could make food that had some flavor and wouldn't immediately kill everyone in the in your unit. Probably was like you know up there on his like enlisted review. Yeah, like when he ate, when when you ate at Ivan's uh, Chow Hall, your poop was solid for the first time in weeks. Like, <laughs> this guy didn't give me a foodborne illness? What the fuck? Yeah, you're not like, you know, not shitting out my intestines like everyone is currently <laughs> uh, uh, taking the fucking horse uh, uh, antiviral shit is doing, okay. apparently. Ivan's going to hand out ivermectin with his food? Yeah, he's not. He's not <laughs> well, look, they might actually have worms, though, so... <laughs> Do you know what rope worms I know, are? I know, I know what you're talking about, but I'm saying the Soviet are the Red Army. Some of them might actually have worms. Oh I'm yeah, I'm sure that, the, yeah. I'm, the the ability the the percentage is certainly higher than zero at this point. I mean, if if there is one thing I've learned from studying war, it's that at no point in history until about the 70s was it really a good idea to have a large amount of people camping out together. Because um, all it turns out, all anybody ever did would just spread their sh literal shit across one another until everybody died of disease. Um, like really, the first time, which actually makes it all the more surprising that the uh, German military was ever successful. <laughs> it's because it's they're German. They're they're economic. They pooped in a hole. I don't know. Um, well, because their rivals were the fucking Soviets. I mean, <laughs> come on. Well, no, they're used to it because they just uh, they were all pooping on each other. So just kind of, you know, built up an immunity over time. <laughs> that's, where, that's where all the, the, the crazy German scat porn comes from this World War II. 
they, they, yeah. they were ahead of the curve and instead of dying of, I don't know, dysentery, which they did do, they just froze to death instead. They got around that. I can't die of a disease. I froze to death. Checkmate. Worms. <laughs> um, <laughs> Freezing to death to own the worms. <laughs> 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 I now during this time Ivan was tending to his kitchen when the liaison officer came up uh to him uh to uh like the the he had like a large group of soldiers getting ready to eat and stuff. Um and the liaison officer warned everyone around that they all needed to get to the front because reinforcements were going to bust through and uh the German reinforcements and they were threatening to encircle them which continued to happen. Uh the Germans were just encircling uh Soviet military units uh, into pockets and then slowly strangling them off or destroying them or forcing them to surrender which honestly the soviets should have been able to deal with because this had just happened to them in finland uh but you know they didn't um not ivan though he would have to stay behind and keep making soup of some kind i'm sure it's some kind of soup um (laughs) ivan bitched and moaned and stayed behind like a good uh cook and made dinner alone now after a while Thankfully, uh, he saw that his unit was returning, and that's when he saw two tanks. Uh, As he stood there, wondering how many more people he would need to feed, he realized these were not Soviet tanks. (laughs) They were German. (laughs) Uh, Now, he was not an idiot, and he realized, wow, I'm fucked. Uh, (laughs) So he hid behind the flaps of his cook tent, hoping nobody would see him. Now, one of the tanks kept driving, seeing an empty camp, you know, and wanted to see what was beyond that. But the other tank stayed behind. That tank crew, assuming the like, they assumed the uh, the, the camp was empty because, like, literally only Ivan was in the camp. So they're like, "Hey, look, I smell food," and they climbed out, looking around. They left their weapons in the tank, which is just dumb as hell. Uh, even if you think the camp is clear, like, I don't know, bring a rifle, a pistol, whatever. I, um, I, I mean, look, I know we were trained different. I cannot imagine at any point in a war zone not having a gun within the fucking grabbing distance at any especially point. Especially the fucking eastern front of World <laughs> War II. Like, Again, know, the Germans have a pointed are, stick. Have something. The Germans were only so good because they were going up against the Soviets. <laughs> I mean, you're you're really not wrong. Um, not not in such a sweeping victorious uh, thing in the in the opening uh, of Barbaros. Anyone with a brain between their fucking ears would have seen this coming because they were warned about it. <laughs> right, be- right before Operation Barbarossa started, a German deserter ran across Soviet lines and warned them about it, and then they just shot him. <laughs> like, <laughs> Wasn't there the, also the uh, the spy ring too? Like, yeah, there was there was no yeah. shortage of information telling the Soviets what was coming. See, Stalin was just convinced they were friends, uh, and they were they were trading a lot of oil to the Nazis, and it was in their best interest. They continued doing that, um, as well as like steel and stuff like that. Turns out, don't do that. Don't trust Nazis, folks. Um, now, <laughs> top tip. Top, yeah, top tip of this episode. Nazis. Bad. Um, now, uh, I even saw four of them walking around unarmed. He's like, kind of like my odds here, which is certainly more than what I would think. Uh, but Ivan had a, a rifle that he hadn't used in quite some time. Uh, but he also knew that if he fired it, he would alert other people right uh so he grabbed a wood uh damn i was hoping you'd go for like a comedic like frying pan or a ladle (laughs) (laughs) so he grabbed a wooden axe that he used for splitting wood to make fires right uh and ran at them screaming and yelling (laughs) like the the borscht berserker uh the germans hearing a hearing a dude screaming in russian i feel like would be a bigger uh bigger giveaway than just firing a rifle in a war zone but you know maybe i'm wrong on that one yeah i don't know i'm starting to think ivan was uh you know everybody's a fight or flight response ivan's response was was very heavily tilted to one side uh to without any and all rational thought because he had a firearm and he chose an axe even his firearm had more than four bullets in it now it could have been unloaded and he just never thought to grab ammo because he had never seen combat up until this point so like who knows or he could have just thought that he was really fucking tired of being a cook and he was just ready for death. <laughs> he, he's Russian. He embraced the darkness and ran yeah. as close as he could to death. Uh, another, another top tip from this episode. Embrace death. 
Now, the, to, be, the, to be Russian is to always have Simon and Garfunkel's Hello Darkness, My Old Friend playing in the background, <laughs> no matter what you're doing. Uh, the Germans, who had, remember, gotten out of the tanks without their weapons, ran as fast as they could back to the tank, locking themselves inside. There is like internal hatch locks and stuff. Ivan gave chase, climbing onto the tank and out of the way of the internally mounted machine guns. Um, smart, smart. Yeah. Now, those are normally uh, like there'll, there'll be some on the top tank commander's hatch, which obviously they can't use because they've locked themselves inside. And if you stand on the turret of a tank, there's no way for that tank to attack you. Uh, it's like it's like a really bad super uh, villain weakness that you seem like a Mario game. Well, it's kind um, of like, yeah, it's it's the inverse of a turtle on its back. Yeah, exactly. Um, now the Germans fi- fired wildly in every direction, uh, assuming they might be able to wing him, not knowing he was standing directly on top. They didn't fire like the main cannon because that would have been kind of overkill. Um, instead, safe and on top of the turret. Ivan began to rain blows down onto the exposed barrels of the machine gun with his axe until they warped and bent from the impact. Um, then the Germans realized they had pissed off a vengeful god of army cooking, attempted to drive away. So Ivan smashed his axe against the viewing ports of the tank until they all broke, completely blinding the tank. <laughs> this guy has already done more than I ever would in this kind of situation. And he just keeps going. This is this is berserker mode, I suppose. Yep. Would <laughs> uh, he Ivan, grab an axe and break portholes? Like, the, this is a guy that grabbed an axe, looked at a tank, and be like, I like my odds. <laughs> like... Incredible. Uh, Ivan then realized he did have a bit of a problem. If these guys grabbed their sidearms and came out at him, he would be fucked because there was there was weapons inside the tank. Now, he could like line up outside the hatch and try to axe them in the face one by one as they came out, but they could just shoot him. Uh, so he decided if these guys would fall for a bit of a ruse. He called out loudly in German that his comrades were nearby and then yelled out in in Russian, which there was a bit of like uh, you know, they understood a bit of Russian. Um, he yelled out to his comrades in Russian to bring him anti tank grenades, despite the fact there were no comrades or anti tank grenades anywhere around him. And the Germans would probably know that. I don't know. He's doing the. Uh, uh, I'm just laughing with all of my friends just out, <laughs> just out of shot. <laughs> yes. Uh, now, Ivan, uh, in German, demanded the people in, inside the tank surrendered or they would all be blown up. They agreed, and then they he made them come out one by one, and he tied them around the turret of the tank. And now, a- as they came out one at a time, he, like, tied them and then made the next, then tied the next guy up behind him. So they never, like, until they were all tied up, they had, they didn't notice that he was alone. Wait, th- how did he know German? Was it just like because he was like in he had grown up in Ukraine and there was like enough fuckery at that point of his life that like he just like picked up some German along the way? I have no idea. Um, right. <laughs> uh, I I assume that uh, there was a fair amount of German and Russian phrases learned from both sides um, to yeah, try I mean, to yell at people and get them to do what you wanted and stuff. I imagine there probably was too. I just figured it would be more like kind of you know the. The key, like, you know, Greek and Turkish phrases that they learn to call each other, like, you know, the bastard sons of a goat. Yeah, uh, kind of. Um, maybe he was just, I mean, picked up a little bit more. I know he picked up more of German than I ever did any other language. Uh, Motherfucker's, would... like, doing Duolingo while he's peeling beads to make borscht. <laughs> yeah, maybe we could have been better uh, stewards of our war and learned more in Pashtu than how to say, you know, fuck you and I don't know. I learned a fair amount. Not that, you know, it didn't matter. We still lost. Weird. <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> the entire war actually is uh, was lost entirely pivoting on the fact that Joe still had terrible pronunciation in Pashtu. It's, I have terrible pronunciation in Armenian, man. Get in line. You have terrible <laughs> pronunciation in English. Shit. Hey, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I, will, I will hear nothing from the St. Louis c- crowd, okay? Um, now... There's a re- hey, look, there's a reason why I picked making a podcast that didn't require me to say a bunch of things in like French and German or ye old English or any it, of that nonsense. It's easy. You just plow through it incorrectly and don't bother correcting yourself because <laughs> no one will forgive you anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, 
yeah. So at this point, he has them all tied up and outside the tank and tied to the turret, like to the to the hatch itself. And they're all just like sitting there, like I assume pissed off children with like their arms crossed. Like, I can't believe we fell for this. Also, not to mention, like, all of these guys die. Um, like, that, that, that's 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 the unwritten line of this entire story because they're German POWs in Soviet uh, captivity. These guys got 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 by a cook, and they all died in captivity. Particularly like, that early on, like yeah. that early on in the war, too. I would imagine statistically, they did not survive. <laughs> um, it, uh, so, yeah, Ivan really had the last laugh on this one. Now, uh, after this, his unit came back. Uh, they had fought off the uh, German encirclement, and uh, they must have been incredibly confused to see a German tank parked in the camp. Uh, in in the camp alongside a German tank crew and then Ivan calmly in his kitchen making food uh, because he went back to work knowing everybody would come back hungry. <laughs> That's you know what? He is a good cook. Fuck it. You know what? I'm I'm glad he he embraced it and was just like, well, here I am. I'm done. Like, you know, in 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 the American army, if you did something like that, if you did some crazy shit like everything that you just said, but it was, you know, private Joe Snuffy at least a distinguished cross of some kind or silver star. I'm not going to say medal of honor, but you get some stuff from it. And this guy is just like, you know, the, the, the Soviet, uh, humbleness as well. of Just like, well, time to go back to, to, to making food. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, this finally got him what he wanted. He was transferred to a scout unit. Um, <laughs> and he, he continued to hit what seemed to be a blood feud against tanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a couple weeks later, while out in a scouting mission, he came across a German infantry platoon. Uh, for people unaware, that's about 30 to 45 guys, uh, depending on the era, unit, and you know, amount of attrition they've suffered, uh, supported by a single tank, and decided uh, where anyone else would have pulled back for reinforcements. He had a fucking score to settle. So he crawled up to the tank and chucked a grenade into its open hatch, killing its crew, then jumped onto the tank commander's mounted machine gun and began firing on the Germans who were sitting out in the field eating. He killed about a dozen people. The rest surrendered to him. <laughs> Finally, this got him commissioned to an officer and awarded the hero of the Soviet Union and Order of Lenin. Uh, but because there is more tanks out there, Ivan never rested, fighting through the Battle of Leningrad and Moscow before finally getting hurt and writing out the rest of the war in a hospital. Um, yeah, that is the uh, the 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 axe the the anti tank axe. So, Joe, for, for any, any possible future Ivans, you know, and, and we'll keep this within the realm of OPSEC, if I were to attack an M1 Abrams tank with an axe, where would you suggest I swing first? Wherever you can be far enough away to safely fire a tow missile. <laughs> <laughs> but what if I get on top of it? I would just stay inside. I mean, you I can lock the hatch. You, you I got an axe and a mission statement, brother. I'm coming in. Just drive away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, that's one of the, the things, like, like, oh, you know, he damaged the, the viewport so the driver couldn't see. And it's like, you know, I, I'm remembering to my time driving a tank. Like, I couldn't fucking see anything anyway. <laughs> what yeah, also, it's a like, tank. It's a tank. Just drive. Like, yeah, you're you'll a tank. probably be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just drive. Drive until you hit something. And then, you know, when you hit something, you know, uh, turn. turn. Yeah. yeah, like it's not uh... <laughs> just turn until you don't see things, until you're not hitting something anymore. I mean, that's also how, uh, you know, the the uh, USS John McCain navigated, but they did so a little <laughs> bit less successfully. I mean, that's also how most people go down H1 here in Honolulu. So, I mean, it's like it, it, <laughs> some <laughs> some people just just you know, take, take a lesson from history and run with it. Now, our next story is also in Ukraine. It brings us to Kharkov uh, in a small village of Ocharvko, uh, where Dmitry... Okay, Ocharvko. Yeah, it's, it's well known for its wheat. Uh, I don't know. Probably. Um, right now, it's probably known for its radiation and war crimes. But I mean, you know... It's... Yeah, fair. I mean, the last guy went to school in Donetsk. So, like... Right. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, this is where Dmitry Ovrachenko uh, was born sometime in 1919 as well uh, to a mother and father who both carpenters. Uh, now, when he was born, his village was occupied by soldiers of the German Empire who ruled Ukraine in such a brutal way it would take, I don't know, like it, it would make the next couple years or decades of their life seem tame by comparison, which is something that only someone in Ukraine can say. <laughs> 
uh, German forces stole everything that wasn't nailed down, including women and children, and killed pretty much on a whim. Uh, Dimitri's mom was so worried about the Germans coming for his son that he lived most of his early few months and years of his life hidden in a cellar, unable to speak. Um, so that certainly also, probably impacted him later. That's also known as Austrian elementary school. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the Germans were just trying to introduce him to Austrian culture. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just it was just assimilation, really. Yeah. yeah Governor General Joseph Fritzl was in the mix. <laughs> um. Then the war ended, and Ukraine only had, you know, a civil war and eventual Russian invasions to worry about. Uh, and then, you know, the aforementioned famine-induced genocide. Dmitry and everyone else had a rough life. Um, now, through all this, Dmitry and his family stayed in the same village, and he worked mostly with his dad. Uh, Dmitry is described pretty much everywhere as a, quote, simple country boy. You'll let you uh, fill in what that means to you. Um, <laughs> he was a himbo. Uh, he was, <laughs> he, he went to school for five hours once dri- <laughs> driving a lifted carriage. <laughs> like he went to the local, uh, village school for five classes, which I think is about a day and a half of school before just failing out and quitting. Uh, he never went to school. Like he made his living in doing odd jobs, mostly carpentry and chopping wood and harvesting hay. This dude was not fucking small. Like if you've ever had to harvest hay or like chop wood to actually make fire, that shit's exhausting. There's a lot of there's a lot of throwing of heavy stuff going yeah. on there. Yeah. I had a uh girlfriend in high school whose parents had like horses and like other barnyard animals and shit and helped them load hay once, which uh, I did because I was an asshole and like 14 years old with like my mohawk and like Doc Martens and like my t-shirt and like, I don't know, fucking like cargo pants or something like that. <laughs> it was like 2002 and it was, it was not a good time. Not a good time. Just skank dancing as you're throwing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's fucking picking up changes. I'm like, you know, like, you know, throwing bows while throwing hay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like this guy was, you know, like I said, a simple country boy. Uh, he was, incredibly large and strong uh but just dumb as sex shit <laughs> by all accounts like failed out of school like a day and a half uh he was i've actually never seen at, i've seen it be said more than one place that he was functionally illiterate um which fine i guess uh but you know by 1941 like most soviet men he was drafted um, he was shoved into the 176th Infantry Division, serving in a machine gun company. Now, uh, just hours of being at the front, he, like, I don't know, half a million other people were immediately wounded and knocked unconscious. Uh, he caught some shrapnel, nothing super serious, while fighting in Moldova. And he was sent to a hospital. He eventually recovered and was sent back to the front. But his time away from uh, his machine gun company was uh, pretty short. Uh, but when he when he got back, people realized he wasn't quite right. Uh, he was now sporting a TBI, and remember, couldn't read. Uh, so <laughs> perfect. <laughs> so they're like, you know what? Fucking enlisted soldier of the year, right here. <laughs> so you know what? They're like, we got a job for you. Here's a pickup truck. <laughs> oh yeah, no uh, the the guy with a uh, the guy with a fucking head injury who already like doesn't know how to read. Yeah, no, like uh, let's see him put it in H. I'm sure, it'll be, I'm sure it'll be fucking gold. So he was given a truck to ferry supplies to the front line. Now, most of these supplies were hay for horses and wood for, you know, chopping up and uh, for fires or shoring up defenses. Um, and I do have to point out here, almost every source I found about Dimitri's life is some horribly translated uh, uh, website. Like even the stuff from... Uh, like Ukrainian historians was not translated well. So like, it's a bit rough. Uh, and I do have to point out, there's some disconnect if he was driving a truck or a horse cart, uh, because I see it like mentioned both kinds of ways. I think he was driving a truck because I see it called a truck more often. Um, and that is funnier uh, because he, you know, TBI and he can't read. Weird that a guy who was functionally illiterate didn't leave a better written record behind him. <laughs> yeah, he, he, tried to, he tried to write a memoir, but yeah, <laughs> nobody could read it. If there's there's like one a- thing that we have learned. It's that somebody who's functionally illiterate can drive a pickup truck, and that means they can do some fucking war. 
Yeah. Slap a recoilless rifle in the back of that thing, man, and you've got uh, you've got a war machine. I mean, I'm still just imagining it like uh, Charlie Kelly's like diary from <laughs> yes. It's Always Sunny. Like it's just a picture book. <laughs> <laughs> you have to read it, Charlie. Nobody can read this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like. So, depending on if you're Ukrainian, you know it. You know what he actually did. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm going with a truck because it's funnier. Um, but this is the opening few weeks of Barbarossa. So the front line was completely unstable, and at any given point, you could find yourself running into hordes of Nazi soldiers. Like the line was very fluid. Um, this is made worse by, like I pointed out before, terrible communication networks between various Soviet units and. Almost no maps being distributed down to a company level. Uh, so like nobody had any fucking idea where they were. What do you need to what do you need to see where you're at? <laughs> Look, I can't do land nav anyway, so fuck it. Well, you also weren't infantry, so you don't got <laughs> nothing to worry about, Francis. <laughs> uh eventually his truck was called to be loaded up with ammo and ran out to the front. This required him to also load up hay and wood, covering it all up with a waterproof tarp because it was an open back truck to protect it from the rain. Um, and he secured the tarp down with a ax to weigh it down to call <laughs> foreshadowing. Oh, good. Good. We gave, uh, we gave Lenny a fucking truck full of ammo and an axe. Let's see how this one fucking turns out. I'm sure it'll be he, good for everybody. He also had a gun, uh, but at no point does he try to use it. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I, I know we're only talking about two of several million Soviet soldiers, but both of them were at one point given a choice between using a gun and an axe. Like, go with the axe. <laughs> you can't really go berserker with a gun because berserker, you got to hit something. And I mean, as sturdy as the AK-47 is... You know, you said, what? This is World War II, so this is pre-AK, so... Just, just a little, as, yeah. As, as, as sturdy as the... seven. yeah. <laughs> right. Well, as, as sturdy as the SKS or the Mosin uh, Nagant that you probably have is, it's so much, like, more... I don't know, just, like, if you're if you're going to swing something, you want it to be an axe. I mean, you could certainly upend a Nagant and use it as a club, uh, because, I mean, it is just a... A bolt-action rifle is just a club with a barrel on it. Really, yeah. <laughs> but you know he uh he was pulling over and trying to figure out where the hell he was because remember he didn't have a map and he couldn't read the street signs <laughs> <So> <laughs> he didn't even learn it like you could you at least pick stuff up like how to read a street sign hey, like say what is- you will about the afghan national army but they at least had a literacy program right? <laughs> <laughs> um now while he was pulled over trying to figure out what was going on Two German trucks pulled up, each carrying soldiers. Now, in total, there's about 50 Nazis staring at this one very lost Ukrainian guy. Uh, now, he glanced around at his one weapon, a bolt-action Mosin Nagant. It's like the short version. I think it's the cavalry version. And realized that he was probably fucked. Now, while he was trying to figure out what to do next, Nazis quickly advanced on him and snatched his weapon away and started questioning him, asking who he was, why he was driving down this road. More importantly, where were the rest of the Soviet army in the area <laughs> was and where was he going? Um, not thinking the single truck driver was much of a threat, uh, Dimitri was left alone, unrestrained with, the, with the, uh, like the lieutenant that commanded the unit who spoke bad Russian. Now, while they had disarmed him, they hadn't looked in the back of the truck and noticed that there was an axe back there. Uh, so it was just within arm's reach of where Dimitri happened to be standing, being uh, questioned by the officer. And before the officer knew what happened, Dimitri grabbed the axe and caved in his skull so quickly he couldn't even yell out for help. He then bent down, grabbed, grabbing the grenades off the officer's belt, and ran up from behind his truck and threw them onto the backs of the Germans one, which were still full of German soldiers. He chucked three grenades in total before charging out with his axe and hacking any anyone left standing after the explosions went off, including any wounded he that couldn't crawl away in time. Man, Not, no, so he just he just went full like inglorious bastards on some people. Yeah, like if I saw this in an action movie and I didn't read like an actual citation of like the hero of the Soviet Union award, I was like, this is bullshit. This didn't fucking happen. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine, like, fucking, if I, me seeing this happen, like, if I, if I saw somebody on a battlefield doing that, just like, well, time to, time for me to mosey on out of here, guys. (laughs) Time for me to hit the old, uh, dusty trail. trail. (laughs) I gotta go. uh, We are fighting a member of the Avengers. It's, uh, (laughs) it's time to go. Now, uh, 
not knowing what the fuck was going on, and also because they just found another Soviet berserker out in the middle of the woods and didn't want to anger him any further, anyone that could still run ran for their lives. Not a single shot was fired at Dmitry as he went on his country boy fueled murder spree. Yeah, no, that's I mean that's about right. Similarly, I would just I would run away. No, no one. I don't know what the fuck is going on right here, and I want no part of it. So I'm out. <laughs> I don't have to outrun him. I just have to outrun Fritz, who failed his last PT test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, motherfucker, I'm the one who pencil whipped your mi- or your two mile time. <laughs> Suck my dick. <laughs> By the time his thirst for blood had subsided, he had killed over twenty people, and. But that wasn't enough for him. So he sprinted off down the road, catching another officer who was limping from a wound and hacked off his fucking head. <laughs> also, too, like, I can't imagine that these axes were sharp. Like, it could takes like some fucking effort. Like, that's got to be like you're putting some time, energy and effort into like taking someone's head off with that shit. Yeah, it's like you you assume that it's sharp until you try to use it. And you're like, oh, fuck, I have to hack at this Nazi until my arms get tired. <laughs> Let's see, you're in berserker mode, so it's okay. Yeah, Just uh, singing a she shanty while you do it. His, his <laughs> life was his lo- his love was like ticking clock. Um, <laughs> now, according to Would a citation, you like some head dean chop berserker. <laughs> 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 now, in his oh, citation fuck. for his hero of the Soviet Union award, he was credited with killing 23 people in the span of only a few minutes. Uh, now, if that sounds unbelievable, you're not the only person that would not believe it. Hold on to that thought. After he uh, went back to the smoking wreckage and piles of corpses that he had left behind, he looted them for everything he could find. Guns, maps, and papers. You know, He assumed all of the paper was good because it's not like he could read it and tell what was on it, but he assumed it was all intelligence. Um, and he packed it all back into his truck and then kept on driving back towards his unit. <laughs> now... When he got there, I assume looking absolutely terrifying, covered from head to toe in blood. <laughs> his, he told his commander what had happened. And as you can imagine, nobody believed a fucking word he had to say. Now, furthermore, I need to point out here, being a lowly soldier in the 1941 version of the Red Army was stressful to say the least. In the opening weeks and months of the war, executions of soldiers for violating basic rules uh were very fucking common um like and by that point i mean like they're just not up to the standards of the local political officers uh it was very arbitrary and in, in, in the violence they committed against their own soldiers um dimitri had been missing for hours with rumors swirling around that he was dead captured or he even deserted or defected over to the nazis which also not uncommon right uh, so the first response his command has was to think this guy was making shit up for being late or being a double agent of some kind, which to be fair, possible. Yeah. But like this guy has to be just soaked in blood. Like Dimitri, <laughs> where'd you get all this like, blood? Oh, found it. Yeah. Like it's, it, you know, I mean, all I could think of is uh, the, like, you know, Mad Max where he like shows up and it's like, oh, he's bleeding. It's like, that's not his blood. Like, yeah, I, it, it's the scene from fucking American Psycho where he hacks the guy up with the, the pieces with an axe <laughs> and well, he has fair, to put on like, and, the splash vest first. In fairness, they also denigrated Huey Lewis in the news. So <laughs> who's are we to say whether that was I mean, good or bad? Are you a bad guy if you kill Jared Leto with an axe? It's a question that we all have to answer. Are you? Um, I'm not going to say. No, never mind. <laughs> nope. Nope. Not uh, going to continue that thought. Now, after reviewing these documents that he brought back, brought back with him, the political officer drove to the scene of where Dimitri said the mass axe murder had taken place and confirmed his story, counting 21 dead soldiers and two dead officers. Now, during all of this, Dimitri was held uh, in the local detachment of the NKVD for three days, facing an almost certain death sentence. Now, um... For people unaware, the NKVD, bad people to be locked up by. <laughs> what were they? Uh, what were they going to lock him up for? Uh, desertion. Oh, um, okay, so being late. Yeah, he was. He was almost certainly going to catch a a bullet in the back of the neck if the political officer came back and said, "Hey, I didn't see any dead bodies." Uh, so God, yeah, I, pl- thought, I thought. I thought. Here I am, just like, oh, this is probably Article Fifteen. I'm like, oh no, this is Soviet Union, World War Two. He's dead. Right. Yeah, and it's it's very desperate points of Soviet Union World War II. Like, you know, in three years or whatever, you wouldn't catch a bull in the backhead for being drunk and late to work. You just like get smacked around a bit. 
but like the opening parts, um, real, real bad uh, to be anywhere near this uniform. Um, now, thankfully, the political officer came back and told everyone, "Like, yo, I just found a pile of fucking dead Nazis out there." This guy's telling the truth. <laughs> All of them got axed to death, uh, and he was released back to his unit. Now, on November 9th, nineteen forty-one, a de- in a decree of the Presidium of the Supreme Soviet of the USSR, quote, for the exemplary performance of the combat tasks of the command at the front of the fight against the German fascist invaders and showing courage and heroism, Dmitry was awarded the title Hero of the Soviet Union. Um, Though this did not pull him off the front line or even get him promoted. Uh, (laughs) Instead, he went back to driving a truck. Um, Now, after a few pauses here and there to drink a bit too much and fist fight a couple NCOs who I'm sure never made sure that there wasn't any axes around him at any other point. uh, Yeah, he uh, he was a bit of a a bit of a shithead after this uh, because he's like, hey, I'm the guy that murdered the German platoon with an axe. Now, unfortunately for our axe wielding maniac truck driving country boy, Dimitri would not survive the end of the war. Uh, while fighting in Hungary in 1945, back with his machine gun company, he was badly wounded and died of an injury while in hospital a few days later on January 28th, 1948, 1945. Uh, so he almost saw the end of the war, um, but now he's killing people with an axe in heaven now. <laughs> he's in Valhalla. Do you think, that, <laughs> you think that, that's how it works? Like Valhalla is for the people who believe in this, but also if you go crazy with an axe on some people, you also get in. So what you're nobody, saying is Lizzie Borden is in Valhalla? Yeah, Lizzie Borden. <laughs> Lizzie Borden unfortunately, is in Valhalla. Nobody <laughs> witnessed him though. Lizzie Berserker. Yeah. He should um, that's why he should have left one guy one guy alive, like that that one dude, and just like drag him back and be like, no, tell him the story about how I killed everybody with this giant axe. Like <laughs> Like, you know, I mean, he's been in the military long enough at this point. It's like, look, I got to cover my own ass here. Nobody's going to believe me. So I'm just going <laughs> to hack your leg off and then we'll kill you later. <laughs> I'll, I'll be back, motherfuckers. <laughs> now, that is our stories of, uh, of, of the, the, the berserkers of the Soviet Union. Uh, those are not the only two. I actually found like two other stories. Uh, significantly less details, unfortunately. Um but, gentlemen, we do something on the show called Questions from Legion. Uh, if you'd like to ask us a question from Legion, donate to the show, slide into the Patreon DMs, uh, email me, ask me on Discord, whatever, uh, and we will answer your largely innocent question on air. Um, I get a lot of like deep questions, too. Like, if this would have happened, how different would history look? That's more of a Q&A thing. Um, <laughs> like... You know, for, for all those in-person Q and A's that Joe's been doing for the last two years. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> um, in your opinion, what is the worst era of history to live in? And you can't say today. <laughs> uh, every era of history before today is is worse. Like now, and and of course, we're all going to say these as like you know straight white men. Um, so any time in history, especially American history. It's great for straight white dudes. Um, I get. I don't know. Like, I don't know, man. I'm Armenian. My my era is much different than yours. Yeah. I. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, my you know what my my bigot the the era would be any time before like uh, they could knock you out for surgery because that's like my biggest fear is like having to have surgery done and being awake and feeling it the entire time. So literally any time before I think like 1875 or something for, <laughs> for me. Let's say you just don't get surgery uh, and you end up like being that guy with the weird twisted limb that just hobbles around. Yeah, I could be that guy too. I mean, it's li- living, living today. Francis. Um, I, I mean, mine's mine's easy. 1915. Um, not a good time for my people. It's the, uh, the beginning of the Armenian genocide. Yeah. For those oh, Joe's talking about the Armenian yeah. genocide again. Oh, oh we get, we, all my people th- got killed. Can we get an air I, horn I'm for sorry, that? I'm sorry. It's so easy for us straight white men. <laughs> hey, man, you're Armenian, but I'm Irish. So, you know, same boat. Same boat. Um. I mean, I think the worst era for history was uh, prior to 2004, before the Sox won the World Series again. Uh, I think we can all agree that's the <laughs> truly dark times. Yeah, <laughs> just, I, um, no, and I can't really say like you know my 
my ans- my Irish ancestors came here uh, before the uh, um, before the potato famine, so I, I feel bad, you know, even really saying that. So I'm gonna go with the Black Death. It's uh, a good call, yeah. You know, just because, like, call. you know, kind of like irrespective of you know age, uh, gender, social class, whatever else, like losing you know a gigantic percentage of your population and just like having people just like just you know having parts of like you know Europe in particular but like even like throughout the rest of the world just like kind of go back to nature because you've just l- lost such a high percentage of your population <laughs> seems Return like a bad time monk. to me yeah <laughs> like it just you know it, it that that to me does not seem like a good time uh so I'm 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 probably going to go with the black death not my favorite seems like it would be bad plague mass are cool uh you know <laughs> Good aesthetic, uh, bad history. Yeah, good aesthetic. Uh, I appreciate that it was kind of the beginning of you know public health infrastructure from like a maritime perspective because they had to like you know quarantine sailors and do other shit. Uh, yeah, like, and they created. They even had um like public uh, sanitation stations so that they I believe they used vinegar or something. Yeah, could be I wrong mean, about that. But you know, so like I you know appreciate something, but yeah, I don't know, losing losing an identifiable percentage of your population to a the mass death event that feels pretty uh not great not great yeah so many people die they land out of ground to bury them in is uh never a good sign now like i i do have to point out them using the the easy cop-out thing my family had not moved to the united states yet we were very much in western armenia in 1915 so like bad stuff otherwise like i was i was gonna say uh you know black death is is definitely a a runner-up I would also say any time that you might be around a Mongolian horde. Yeah, um, that was going to be my se- bad. that was going to be my second one. Was probably like I can't imagine that like you know having the uh, having the cons hordes like roll through your town was like a good experience. Uh, you know, and it's also like even great. you know anytime even, there's a death squad and you're not in it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I mean, maybe in if general, you're in a death squad, things are a little bit better for you because you are doing the death squatting instead of being death squatted. Um, history is still not kind to you, but I understand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean know, there's like, also so- the uh, the the very. I mean, it's still arguable. Nobody's 100 percent certain where the plague came from, but most people think it was uh, the Golden Horde that spread it to Europe via the uh, siege of Kaffa by slinging corpses over the walls. Yeah. So, like, you could have both. You, you could have yeah, the Mongols yeah. visit you and have the plague. Yeah, I mean that's that would be great. Similarly, like you know, to go off of France. I mean, there's like a there's a large Cambodian population in Lowell, Mass. Uh, they're there for a reason. Like killing fields, not a great time. Uh, you know, Rwanda in the early '90s, Yugoslavia. I mean, just the, like names of the more recent genocides. Uh, you know, like you know, Burma starving to death. You know, because of like the UK, not a good time. Uh, I mean, it might most cool of history, be, you know, not really great to be a human, to be yeah. honest. Depending my, on where you live at any point in history, it sucks. Uh, it's like, cool to be a Roman. Like, you die by the age of 45 by shitting out worms. Like, <laughs> yeah, but you could do that now in America. So, like, in, you, know, <laughs> you know, but then, you know, you have like a sweet toga and, you know, you can, like, uh, you know, like, you know, go hang out and, you know, go to the, uh, you know, occasionally your emperor, you know, sends everyone out to go fight the sea. You know, I mean, <laughs> go, sac- go sacrifice a goat or your child to a god. You know, you're just having a good time. Whoops. He accidentally created a whole religion. Uh, anyway, <laughs> anytime that anytime that somebody has to face the 300 Spartans, it's the worst <laughs> time in history to be the Iranian or uh, I'm sorry, the Persian, the Persian army, which defeated them and, and sacked everything. But, you know. Is Armenians there for that? Take that, Greece, you motherfuckers. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Would you have time-traveling Armenians? Like, they're going back in time to fight the... Uh... No, they're in the Persian Empire. Wow, you really gave away Joe's <laughs> screenplay right there. <laughs> the Armenians are older. Armenia. Armenia is older than Rome, and they're part of the Persian Empire. So, yeah, suck it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, gentlemen, thank you. Uh, if you want to hear more about that particular part of history, donate to the show and listen to History of Armenia. We talked about that. Um, and uh, I guess until next time, always carry an axe on you just to be safe. You know, <laughs> you, you never know when you have to cut up Nazis with an axe. Hey, you know what, people? Instead of instead of officers going into war with battle swords, do it battle axes. Battle axes like would be way cooler. 
Look, they already do that, though. You, you go what? to the PX, you go to that goofy-ass fucking No, not aisle. those stupid hatchets. <laughs> you carry a full-on, like, lumber axe. All right. I'm excited like the- for I'm excited for the hundred and first uh juggalo battalion in like fifty <laughs> years. All right. Later, guys. Whoop whoop, everybody. <laughs> whoop whoop. <laughs>